The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I wanted to remind you that, as always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode using our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us using Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email is buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages to the regular accounts for Buffalo Rumblings, and those will get to me as well. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. So check it out. Send in your questions for next week's episode uh, after the Bills play the New York Jets on Sunday afternoon. The Bills lost to the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. And I've certainly got some opinions. Lots of questions flooded in immediately after the game with your questions. So let's get right to it. We start where we start every in-season episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, and that's with my takeaways from the game. And honestly, this first takeaway is what's been getting the most blowback from Bills fans, at least on Twitter since the game ended, and it's how can you call the Buffalo Bills contenders? I just asked that question to you. How can you call the Buffalo Bills contenders after their last two weeks? They lost back-to-back games to the top two teams in the AFC. They got blown out by the Titans two weeks ago. And then this week, they couldn't stop the run. They focused so much on Patrick Mahomes and even when they focused on Mahomes and got gashed by the run, when it when they did have a third down or a third and long to convert, you know, Mahomes was still able to find Travis Kelsey or, or somebody else to convert the the first down. So even though they quote unquote shut down Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes was able to, you know, thread touchdown passes between Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White. He was able to beat the Bills defense for first downs over and over again. They had, I think, four or five drives of 75 yards or more. So what really can you say about the Bills other than the fact that they're a middle of the AFC team? They're not in the top two teams in the AFC. They're probably not in the top three or four. So they're probably the best team in the AFC East. But 
are you going for, you know, make the playoffs? Are you going for win a game in the playoffs? Or are you going for can be a legitimate Super Bowl contender? And the Bills are not a legitimate Super Bowl contender, at least after six games. That doesn't mean they can't be. The Tennessee Titans last year weren't Super Bowl contenders after the first six games. But they made a major change to their offense. Their defense tightened up. And they were able to go on a run in the postseason and really on over the last you know half season plus. So can the Bills turn this around? Absolutely. Have they shown these stretches before and the ability to turn around from bad games and bad stretches? Yes. But right now they have not shown that they can play in a big game in the NFL. Sean McDermott hasn't proven that he can coach in a big game in the NFL. Josh Allen hasn't proven that he can win a big game in the NFL. It's just you look at over and over and over again. You look at every milestone this team has achieved. And every good game that they've had has been against a bad team. They've never had a good game against a good team, or at least a good team that's playing well at that point in time. Last year's Titans game, you know, they they beat the Titans in a year that the Titans went to the AFC Championship game. But they did it with Marcus freaking Mariota as the quarterback of the Titans, and they benched him right after that to go with Ryan Tannehill, who's one of the better quarterbacks of the last 16 games. So where have the Bills beaten a good team? Where have the Bills beaten a contender? They haven't. So how can you argue that the Bills themselves are contenders if they can't beat any of the other contenders? They only lost by nine points. They were within six of the Super Bowl champions. These are all of the arguments I've been getting on Twitter. I don't care if you can hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And at no point in time today did I think the Bills were going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. At no point during that game against the Titans did you think that the Bills should even be on the same field as that team. So how can you call the Bills contenders? That's the question that leads my five takeaways from the Bills game against the Kansas City Chiefs. It stinks. You know, I don't want the Bills to make the playoffs. Yes, it's a good start to make the playoffs. It's a good start to win the division. But if this team ends up like Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals over the last decade and a half, where they can make the playoffs, but not win a game in the playoffs. I mean, that's not going to make anybody happy. The goal is to win a Super Bowl, and this team just hasn't proven they have the ability to win a big game yet. So I'm kind of down today. I don't know if you can hear that in my voice, but I'm kind of down while I'm having this conversation and this thought process. I woke up sad. The second takeaway, 2018... 2019, Josh Allen makes a comeback. We saw the same problems from Josh Allen this week and really last week against the Titans too. You know, you have to take a look at these two games as a whole. They both happened within a week of each other. But 2018, 2019, Josh Allen makes a comeback. And he was worse in this game, I thought, than he was against the Titans. His Titans numbers weren't great, especially in the first half. But his numbers this whole game weren't very good. Now, he was overthrowing passes. Uh, He had to run for first downs instead of throw for first downs. He was taking hits, whether he was getting the ball away or in the run game. 
He was thrown off his back foot. He was not diagnosing coverages. Uh, he did have some great designed runs uh, called by Brian Dable just to get something going, but he also had placement issues, which cost them completions and first downs. It was just a vintage Josh Allen performance and not like the good kind of vintage. It was, I'm not going to say a permanent regression, but it was certainly a, a regression game for him. It was a step back game for him. And we knew that these step back games were coming. I'm not I'm not saying that I expected him to continue playing at that MVP level all year, but he was 6 of 16 in the first half for 42 yards. That's awful. That's terrible. And 15 of those yards and one of those completions was on the last play when the Chiefs were just like, okay, we'll give you 15 yards. So before that last pass, he was 5 of 15 for 27 yards in the first half. That is not going to get it done, folks. 5 of 15 27 yards. That was Josh Allen's first half stat line until the last play of the half when the Chiefs stood 30 yards off the ball. Yikes. He was 14 of 26 for 122 yards and two touchdowns before his final heave interception. 122 yards passing. Hmm. That's... That's a step-back game, folks. Now, he can get right against the Jets this week and you know, has games coming up against the New England Patriots and other teams that he can do well against. But, man, that's, that's a hard stat line to take. 14 of 26 for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Now, he said it after the game. They can't win a lot of games if he plays like that, and that's true. That's absolutely true. It certainly wasn't all on him, but it was definitely a – step back game, a vintage 2018-2019 game for Josh Allen. Speaking of first-round draft picks, Tremaine Edmonds had a bad game. And I know folks have been really focused on him this year, and I've been kind of giving him a pass for his shoulder injury. But both of the plays I'm going to highlight in this takeaway weren't because of a shoulder injury. First, I wasn't expecting him to be able to cover Travis Kelsey one-on-one in the red zone. I think that's asking a whole lot out of a linebacker. But he was cleanly beat on the Chiefs' first touchdown of the game. In the third quarter, he was supposed to be doing run fill on fourth and short. And the Chiefs running back makes a cutback right to where Edmonds is supposed to be. Edmonds, they showed it great on the replay from the overhead camera angle. He got completely turned around trying to fill too many gaps at once. And um, he who defends everything defends nothing. So instead of trusting that the other guys on the other side of the line were going to take care of it, he left his hole open. Chiefs cut back. It doesn't just go for the first down. It goes for you know, a, a touchdown. So Edmonds got completely turned around on that. He just didn't fill where he was supposed to fill. Um, tried doing too much. And maybe that's maybe that's his problem, is that he's trying to do too much with Matt Milano out. And he feels like he can't trust somebody else. Maybe A.J. Klein, maybe Terrell Dotson, whoever happens to be on the field with him. But neither of those plays had anything to do with his shoulder. A positive takeaway was that the Chiefs really couldn't handle Stephon Diggs. On the Bills' first touchdown drive, Josh Allen audible to a new play, the isolated Diggs against the Chiefs' cornerback. Diggs beat the corner and was interfered with at the goal line. It was a great play. Um, And then 
a couple plays later, Allen found Diggs for that gorgeous touchdown on the toe drag swag play that um, just should get played on repeat. It was a great, great throw and great catch by Stefan Diggs. Allen put it in the place where only Diggs could catch it, and Diggs rewarded him by dragging both feet. It was just a beautiful play. You can see the highlight in my takeaways article over at buffalorumblings.com. Even in the second quarter, Allen found Diggs on a crucial third down conversion just before the two-minute warning. Um, Diggs dropped the ball, but then replay showed he was interfered with twice, and the rest did throw the flag. So it was a couple times where Diggs was able to draw a flag, even if he didn't make the catch. Especially with John Brown being so off, he's still dealing with the injury that has you know, been dogging him for the last few weeks. Diggs really stepped up, especially in the first half. Um, unfortunately, he only got two catches in the second half, and it appears that the only people that can stop Stephon Diggs are Josh Allen and Brian Dable. Uh, the Bills made a major defensive line shift in this game, and they still couldn't get the job done. They sat Trent Murphy and Harrison Phillips for the game, hoping to do something with the front four. Brian Cox Jr. and Justin Zimmer came off the practice squad, again, hoping for something, uh, a pass rush maybe. And uh, it just didn't really work out that way. They allowed eight yards per carry in the first half. Uh, The Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 10 rushes for 94 yards in the first 10 minutes, or the first 30 minutes. And they just, the Chiefs were just gashing the bills. And it starts up front. Gap integrity, being able to fill with the linebackers. But it starts with the front four. CEH finished with 161 yards on 26 rushes. Uh, Derwin Thomas had six rushes for 26 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Darwin Thompson added three rushes for 17 yards. I mean, they just they had one sack and the Chiefs were over 200 yards rushing. It's it's laughable at this point. They stopped Derrick Henry. Great. The Titans were still able to score 42 points. They stopped Patrick Mahomes, kind of. And the Chiefs just ran it down their throat. You have to be able to shut down an opponent's offense. Yeah, they held the Chiefs to one of their lowest point totals of the year. But it was because the Chiefs ran out so much clock because they were just grinding out yards after yards, first downs after first downs. This Bills defense is allowing so many first downs this year. That's going to be one of the things I checked this week is how many first downs that Bill's defense has been allowing so far this year. They're, the bend and not break thing doesn't exactly work when you keep breaking. So let's look at that later. And then finally, the Bill's running game still can't get going, especially in the running backs. And it starts up front. The offensive line has not been very good in run blocking at all. So Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are getting met behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage on almost every play. Singletary was held to 32 yards again. Zach Moss ended with 10 yards. So 42 yards out of your running backs on 15 carries. 2.8 yards per carry ain't going to get it done. 270 yards for Singletary through six games. That's 45 yards per game. It's, It's not good enough from the running backs. And, I mean, they tried things like getting Isaiah McKenzie out on the the edge with that little, I don't know, flip pass, end around pass. They're they're trying to do things. They they did the quarterback sweep again. They're they're putting Josh Allen 
into the running game, but they cannot generate anything um, with the way that the offensive line is playing. It's just not very good at all. And I don't want to blame Moss and Singletary because they're getting met in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage almost every time. So uh, we've seen a shakeup on the defensive line. Don't be surprised if we see another shakeup on the offensive line. And of course, Cody Ford could be out for a couple weeks with an ankle sprain. We don't know the extent of his injury just yet. So maybe they're going to be forced to do to make some changes on the offensive line. But I mean, they should be thinking about making changes on the offensive line, even without the injury to Cody Ford. Well, I'm in rare form today. I don't usually go 15 minutes on a rant to open the show, but I did that today. And I think you guys understand why. After these two games against AFC contenders, it's just really frustrating to see that the Bills can't get over that hump. When we come back from this quick break, we'll answer your questions following the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't go anywhere. You know what? I thought I'd feel better going through these questions, but it doesn't make me feel better. (laughs) Uh, RJ and a bunch of other people asked, is it time for McDermott to take over defensive play calling? Frazier has been showing a painfully obvious weakness, which is not being able to adjust schemes and coverages. We ran a soft zone and refused to stack the box even when they ran for 200 on us. It's unacceptable. I will say that the way to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is to run that soft zone, drop it eight into coverage and three um, on the line and hope that Andy Reid goes past and Mahomes is confused or there's enough guys there to break it up. Um, I, I thought that was the right play against Mahomes, but obviously once Kansas City starts gashing you, you need to be able to do something else like you said. McDermott addressed this earlier this year when he said that it was Frazier's defense to call. Um, Maybe something has changed there over the last two weeks, but honestly, if I'm Sean McDermott, I look at the last two weeks and say, hey, we were able to shut down Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the NFL, a couple weeks ago. This week, we were able to shut down Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. And so I think you can find things to hang your hat on if you would like to find them. I don't think the Bills should do that, but I think you can find things to hang your hat on. Like, this was our focus. We achieved that focus. So that's good, right? But they really miss Matt Milano. And getting him back, hopefully against the Jets or maybe after that, will be a really big boost for this defense. They really need him. They need a playmaker on the field. And Tredavious White's been dinged up. Tremaine Edmonds has been dinged up. And Milano's been out. So... I think they really just need a playmaker or two on this defense to step up and do something. Um, We'll talk about the front four in a second and the front seven in a second. So I won't get into that. But as far as like scheme, I think they schemed to try and take away what those opponents do best over the last two weeks and then couldn't adjust. And that's been a hallmark of every Sean McDermott team since he started as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. They can't adjust That's why you see them come out so poorly in the third quarter when other teams make adjustments. The Bills haven't made adjustments. And it's very frustrating to watch, as a lot of you know. Uh, WNY Football asks, can we get a premier pass rusher before the trade deadline? And what do we do at defensive tackle? The Bills have done so much on that front four 
and I wrote an opinion piece about it on Friday. The Bills have invested so much in that front four to get the return that they've got. They signed big free agents. They kept Jerry Hughes, who has still been playing very well. I want to keep that up. But Trent Murphy, inactive, despite his big contract. Uh, and then you have uh, Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison, uh, Vernon Butler. They've invested in that. They put a second-round pick into it. Their top draft pick in 2020 uh, was a, a pass rusher, an edge defender. They have invested so heavily in the front four. I just don't see them going out and investing even more in it right now. Besides, like, who out there is going to really give them a boost? And and maybe, like, I mean, there's people throwing out J.J. Watt. Like, why would the Texans trade J.J. Watt? He's an institution there. Um, I Just stop. So I don't think that there's going to be, like, a significant upgrade available to them on the trade market um, unless teams just really start, like, wholesale changes. And I don't anticipate that really anywhere. So they had an opportunity. The Titans traded their former second-round pick defensive tackle this week, but maybe the Titans didn't want to trade him to a contender. Instead, they traded him to the Jaguars. So I just I don't see a whole lot of players there. Uh, Jack Nealon piggybacks on that. Opinion on needing a game-changing front seven player like Watt or a Prime Suggs or Cameron Jordan, someone who would need to be double-teamed consideration every play. Yeah, that'd be great. That's what they were hoping Ed Oliver was going to be. And Ed Oliver, for whatever reason, maybe it's his knee injury or leg injury that he suffered in, what was it, week two or week three with that leg whip. Um, That's what Ed Oliver is supposed to be. That's why you draft a defensive tackle in the top 10, uh, to be the guy that they have to focus on every play. Um, Jerry Hughes has been doing it alone this year, and they need Ed Oliver to really step into his role as that dominant force in the middle of the defensive line. And he has not been able to do that. Uh, So uh, they do need a game changing front seven player, but they've invested in that. They put a first round pick, a top 10 pick into a game changing front seven player. So thanks for that question, Jack, over at Rumlings Q&A to piggyback on WNY football's question. Finally, we get to Jacob, who says, how can you consider yourself a Bills fan after that take? And Brandon, who says, what an effing joke. Whoever wrote this is an idiot. That's not exactly a question, but that's okay. Um, I think it's really easy for Bills fans to get defensive right now and say that the first four weeks are what this team is going to be in the last two weeks are the aberration But I think it's probably more likely that it's somewhere in the middle, which is what we said really after the first week and second week and third week and fourth week. We said that they were going to have their step back and they were going to come back to earth. And now that they have, people are all like, well, no, they're going to get back to those heights that they had in the first four games. I don't think that's particularly likely. I think the first four games was probably their ceiling. The last two games were probably their floor and they're going to finish off somewhere in the middle of that. That still means that they could win the division. Heck, they might even win a playoff game. But I, it's very hard to say that they're contenders in the in the AFC after they were embarrassed two weeks in a row on national television. So, I mean, you guys can call me an idiot if you want. You can you know swear at me on Twitter if, if that's what you need to do to feel better about yourself as a Bills fan. But let's just go with reality here. The Bills can't hang with the top two teams in the AFC in consecutive weeks. 
and I'm an idiot for saying that they're not contenders. I just I don't see the correlation here with with the attacks on on social media or even and I haven't gone through the comments in my takeaways article, um, admittedly, but it's just it's very hard to look at what the Bills have done the last two weeks and say, yeah, they've got you know a good shot of winning the AFC. So I, that's fine if you if you want to question my fandom. I think that's kind of silly, but you're allowed to have negative Bills fans, you're allowed to have positive Bills fans, and you're allowed to have realistic Bills fans. And you know, I've never been one that's going to be you know super overly optimistic. I picked the Bills to go ten and six this year, and um, they're still well on track to do that. So I. <laughs> I don't know why people are freaking out because I said that. Anyway, um, thanks for listening to today's episode of Rumblings Q&A. If uh, you want to leave questions for next week's episode, hopefully it'll be a cheerier episode. You can send us a voicemail at 716-508-0405. Send us tweets at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Tons of ways to get in touch with the show. You can send Facebook messages or Instagram messages as well, and those will get to me. Until then, go Bills! Thank you.